Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed boost pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Good Bottle Podcast, the podcast that defines exactly who let the dogs out. Drew, it's cracking, baby. How are you? This is the most random reference you could have made. And what are you even talking about? Like, what is how, how are we defining who let the dogs out? Uh, I'm sorry. Who did you leave? Did you leave the dogs out? Who let the dogs oh out? Oh my god, we've already lost any potential new listener. They're already gone. <laughs> They've moved on to greener pastures. So so I'm sure people can already tell that my voice is absolutely ravaged from two straight days of tastings and just talking nonstop. Um, we went to Rumfest yesterday, which we're going to get into a lot more in a second. But if you can imagine having the same conversation for five straight hours, it always just devastates me. And then I also did the same thing on Friday. So my voice is completely torched. So if, you, if you're if you're turned on by these sultry vibrations, um, just talk to me a lot and I'll get right back to this level. But um, hopefully I'll be back and healthy within the future, like the, the, the near future. So um, with that being said, Chris, what are you drinking? Oh, buddy, I got a good one today. Uh, I am drinking uh, a pre-mixed cocktail uh, from our friends at uh, Liba Spirits. Uh, uh, during Rumfest, after Rumfest, they had some leftover uh, cocktail that they they sent me home with, and it's delicious. And I, so I'm drinking the Lafgadio Bot- Botanical Rum uh, Daiquiri, and I, uh, I I didn't shake it this evening. Uh, so I poured it in a giant Collins glass, uh, that I also came home with from St. Benevolence. It's lovely with a giant, uh, giant cube right down the middle of it, uh, <laughs> and watered it down a little bit. So I'm being a little bit, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm breaking some rules tonight, but that's okay. It's what we're here that's for. That's definitely what we're here for. And that is a beautiful glass. I'm, I'm really happy that former guest, uh, Chase from, uh, same benevolence was able to give you one of those glasses. I have a couple of those now. I had to pay for mine, so I, I am a little tipped about that. But um, no, I'm just a bigger deal than you are. There, Drew. Very true. Um, but it is a really, really dope glass. And then the rum that you're drinking is one that we both got introduced to last week. Um, That's right. And it was it was really bizarre because the what is the name of the rum again? I'm totally blanking on it. Lafcadio. That's why I don't. L A F C A D I O. So they're doing this really cool project where they're going to different distilleries around the world and they're distilling in these places to really capture that place's provenance, which I think is really beautiful. And the rum that they did, they made in New Orleans. And they actually labeled it a botanical rum, which I thought was really interesting because last or two weeks ago, I had been introduced to the concept of botanical rums. And my first thought was, what the hell is that? And then next week, I find myself at a lunch drinking a botanical rum and 
getting it explained to me exactly what it is, which I thought was really, really interesting and proof positive that if you put things out into the universe, they will come back to you. So, um, so Chris, can you explain to our listeners like what the botanical rum is? Uh, yeah, I, I can. And the, the way I'm going to explain it to you is going to be the way for, the easiest way for your brain to figure it out. Um, uh, and probably the least attractive way, which is essentially it is a uh, gin up made of rum. Uh, they take botanicals and they steep it in rum. They use a, they use a gin basket through distillation to get, uh, to get a lot of the flavors out in exactly the same way you would in gin. Uh, there's, I don't believe that there's any juniper in here though. So, so let's remove that concept. We're not talking about like Christmas tree rum here. Um, but this is really lovely stuff and they used, uh, like bay leaves and, and whatnot that are, um, very indicative of new Orleans. A lot of, a lot of those flavors that they want, they wanted something incredibly aromatic because new Orleans is incredibly aromatic. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about, uh, bourbon street. We're actually talking about like the cool parts of new Orleans, <laughs> uh, uh, where it actually smells delicious. So um, they they really went out of their way to create something really unique. Um, when when I met Devin for the first time, I like I couldn't help myself. I was like, okay, so you launched this new product. What on God's green earth made you think that you were gonna, you know, go? The first product you were coming out with was gonna be a botanical rum. Like, why would you do that? And she was like, I don't know, but it's really fucking cool. And I was like. I agree. It is really fucking cool. There's definitely there's definitely the cool factor, and and I forgot to mention, um, just the way that we're recording this week, uh, we had a guest lined up, and they weren't they weren't able to attend, so we're going to be Sans guest this week. So you're just stuck with us, um, but we are going to make it up to you guys. We'll have them on the on the show in the near future. Um, so you, it will be just Chris and I today. And eventually, though, we do want to get Devin on because she is awesome, and this is a really cool concept. I think I think you might have it mixed up though. Because I was under the impression that they were, it was more of like a tea bag situation um, as opposed to the gin basket. And that I remember her describing it that way to me. You know what? You are, you are right. Um, I mean, and you know, and that's, that's still, that's totally classic methodology for making gin. I just, I just got twisted. It's not, it's not. So, so for the listeners at home, you know, your gin basket is going to sit above the distillate. And so the vapors are actually going to pass through the botanicals. Whereas like the tea bag method is exactly what it sounds like. Those botanicals go directly into the distillate itself. So that's going to be the difference in flavor profile. And what I thought was really interesting about this rum was they actually put, they actually steep, steep it in the first distillate. So, you know, they run their molasses through, through the still. It's a hybrid still. They pull that off. They put the distillate back into um, the still again, and then that's when they steep it with the uh, with all the different botanicals that they're using and run it through the still one more time. I find that interesting because I hope that you guys are able to try this sooner than later because the flavor profile on this is so incredibly rich that it just it seems like if if I had to take an educated guess on it, I would have been like, oh, they infused it after distillation the amount of flavor profile that it was able to hold on to through the distillation process is absolutely insane so um i i think that's a great thing to be drinking yeah i you know i i'm honestly truly fascinated uh by like what 
what it tasted prior to the second distillation and post second distillation, like how much gets accentuated and how much gets reduced. Right. You know? Totally. Yeah. Cause it's just, it, it really is bizarre. And again, if you're, you know, if you're familiar with like just like distillations and stuff like that, the, the fact that it held on to so much flavor is, um, is really interesting. So, so again, and I, I gotta say, you know, um, for, I, I was incredibly skeptical of this product. Um, I mean, I was really interested. You and I drew, you know, very much the same. We're like, oh, something weird. Give it to me, right? But but my uh, my expectations were very very low. Um, the more that I drink this rum, the more and more I fall in love with it. It is it's really something spectacular and something really special. Well, I mean, I think that part of the problem is is maybe just like the naming of it or the description on the bottle, you know, like botanical rum. So it kind of it kind of gives off like the you know, like the kettle one botanicals kind of gimmicky. Yeah. Um, you know, but then when you actually hear the story and you, and you hear what they're doing, because they also have a gin, but the gin was produced in Austria. You know, and that is a completely wild product as well. It was very, very delicious. Yeah, and all the botanicals there are harvested there in Austria, yeah. uh, and, and meant to represent that space, which is just fucking. So dope. again, I mean, you're talking about provenance and everything that goes into that distillate, which is just, which is a really cool thing. And and so they were, that was a really great addition to Rumfest, which we're trying to, we're trying to pump the brakes on as much as possible because we're going to do a whole section just dedicated to Rumfest. But um, but that's really awesome. You actually walked out with a pretty hefty haul of bottles. It was, it was oh yeah, funny. man. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you and I were laughing about that last night after we uh, opened the trunk to put shit in it as we were driving back home. Uh, yeah, I ended up with like over a case worth of booze that I came home with. Yeah, I mean that was uh, you know the situation of suck. Um, you know as you clean up at these events and people are kind of like I'm jumping on a plane or I don't want to take this with me. Like you take it, and so Chris, being the advantageous bottle shop owner that he is, and you know tasting area that he has, he's like, oh, I will take all these things. So um, it was smart. It was it was a good move on your behalf. I'm not disappointed about it. But uh, enough about me. What's uh, what's in your glass tonight? Okay, so um, actually a very similar situation. I was um, talking to somebody at the very end of the event, and uh, Christina from Back Bar Project came up behind me and just basically thrusted a bottle into my hand and said, this is for you, and then she walked away. And I, did, I don't even know if I said thank you. So if I didn't say thank you, Christina, thank you um, for, for giving me this. And um, Back Bar Project, if people aren't familiar, are an importer, and one of the brands that they import is Worthy Park. And so she gave me um, one of their uh, their single estate reserve pot distilled pot still distilled rum, and it is fantastic. This thing clocks in at forty five percent, and I am a huge fan of Worthy Park. So I was very happy to receive this gift. But um, another just uh, kind of thrown thrown into my face, and that's and I'm going to talk a little bit more about Worthy Park in our in our rumfest section because they they did introduce some new stuff to me as well which i was very very excited to try so um so yeah i will be sipping on that and it's not it's not healing my throat as much as i thought it would be i think it actually might be making it worse so (laughs) you gotta add some honey in there i gotta do molasses back i gotta do something (laughs) i spent i spent most of the day like trying not to talk and um and i think i did a pretty good job until I was watching, I was watching some football. We are recording on a Sunday, and um, something happened in a game, and I and I just I reacted to it verbally, 
by myself, of course. And that's when I texted you. I was like, I was like, oh man, my voice is still just thrashed. Like I had not heard myself speak yet. And I just was like, oh yeah, this is not, this that's is great. not a good thing. Um, but yeah, so, so I'm going to be sipping on that and maybe I will add a little bit of honey to it. Cause I, I definitely need to be better by tomorrow, but, um, but we'll see. <laughs> but I think, I think now what we're going to do again, no guests this week, we will make it up to you guys, but, uh, we're going to give our opinion on our adventure at Rumfest. Yo. Uh. Okay, so yesterday, Saturday, September 11th, Chris and I drove down to San Francisco and we attended the California Rum Fest. Um, this is an event that typically happens every year. Obviously, last year it did not happen, so there was a lot of pent up energy for it. As some of our longtime listeners might remember, this event was actually the last big event I did before the shutdown out in Miami. Uh, it's put on by Rum Labs, and um, it's a really, really cool group. They do so many fun things, but they do events in Miami, obviously, Puerto Rico, Chicago, New York, and then again, San Francisco. Uh, it's basically a group of a bunch of different rums in, uh, I guess you could say vendors to a certain degree, because you had some some bar owners there and some some different representation just from different parts of the industry that are directly tied to rum. And you're able to go there, you go to seminars, you can go and try a ton of different um, new rums, a bunch of cocktails, things like that. It's a really, really cool event. So both Chris and I went to enjoy it, but then also to pour for a couple of brands. So I was pouring for uh, the Urapin Chiranda the entire time. And Chris was pouring for the Ranazalco rum the entire time. And uh, and then in between that, we got to mix it up with a lot of people. We got to run into a lot of people, catch up with friends. Um, I'll say this just right out the gate. I typically am not a huge fan of these types of events outside of the fact that I get to hang out with a lot of friends that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, the event itself can be really demanding and then as people progressively get more drunk and unruly it becomes less fun to pour for for those people see i i find it exactly the opposite man like the more people drink it you know there's like there's a there's a threshold right of when when you start having the same like the same conversation with the same person like five times over and they repeat the same things that gets a little old but Especially with rum, the and it probably is exactly the same. I'm certain it is actually the the same exact way at uh at like whiskeys of the world, where you know you get the you get the booze nerds who come up who just feel so necessary to let you know how much they know. Oh, totally. And that's like they and usually that happens in the beginning of the night when they're still when they're still sober enough to access that that small amount of knowledge that they have. <laughs> well, and so and so basically what we're referring to, you know, I mean, I think everybody runs into this no matter where they're at, but it's like sometimes what these enthusiasts will do is like they'll find reasons to drop knowledge on you. Like they'll say something very obvious or um or maybe not so obvious, and they think they're trying to look smart at the table. And I and I actually I don't I don't mind that. I would I'm totally fine with dealing with that person. Um, it's it's really towards the end when it's just kind of like they just shove the cup in your face and they're like pour me more booze. But um, I think oh that's my favorite. Oh move, yeah, because that's well, my move. I for me I can't stand <laughs> it. But I do think that this year they did a really good job because they limited the the attendees 
And so it never felt like it was completely overwhelming. It was a really big space, which was really great too. But it was it never felt overwhelming, at least behind the table. And um, you never got like too deep on on your line for like pours and stuff like that. You got to have really genuine conversations from from one person to the next. So I think they did a really yeah. really good job. Um, and I and this was some sentiment that was shared with with a lot of different people. Uh, as I said, you know Chase Babcock was there, who was from St. Benevolence Rum, former former guest on the Good Bottle Podcast, and he had a really really positive experience as well and it was also really fun to kind of hear about his story and and we're going to just talk on chase's behalf right now but he was they actually ended up releasing um one of their new clarins their age claren so uh, i think this i think this is the first event that he actually got to pour it at so coming out the gate saint benevolence had the blend which was like a barbados rum and i can't remember the other one that he had in the in the blend and then he had um and then he had the the Claren with that was the unaged, and then he just released the the Claren that was that was aged, and I remember and he was telling us like you know a few years ago when he first started coming to these to these events, he was always really nervous about sharing the fact that there was some there was some dosage in in the rum, and he would meaning meaning sugar, sugar added to his rum, and uh, it's it's amazing to see how his mindset has changed towards it because a few years ago he'd be like he's like I would say no and I don't know understood why I was lying to people and then I would change then I would be like no I'm sorry that's not I meant like there's ten there's ten grams per liter and then when people would ask well, you know so now when people ask is there is there sugar added he'd be like yes and they're like why he goes because it tastes good and <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, yeah. that's such a great answer and and again I I. You know, to kind of bring it back a little bit, I think there's a lot of people within the rum enthusiast group who hate sugar added rums, or they still, or they still. I, I feel like I feel like they've been they've been told that they should hate. That's that's probably more accurate. You know, I mean, right? Like, like we know Richard Seal, owner of Foursquare. Uh, you know, just like rips on rips on brands for adding sugar, and you know, and, and I think also to his credit. Uh, where he comes from is like a lack of uh, he, he really wants to like rip on a lack of transparency. Totally. Yeah. But I think it gets easy to misinterpret that as fuck sugar. Right. right? right. And, and cause so often these like larger brands go on these multi-million dollar escapades of covering up and giving you exactly the story and narrative that they want you to digest. Uh, and trying to uncover the truth then about it then becomes more difficult. Um, and he is someone who has, you know, who has really championed at least within rum, uh, you know, transparency. Right. right. Totally. And, and I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And then there's also like a lot of conversations that happen online that like I no longer engage in, but, um, you know, when you're, yeah, you and me both. Like man. When you don't see, when you don't yeah. hear somebody's tone as they're talking, like they can get like pretty contentious and stuff like that. And it's, it's funny because then you actually get in these groups and you actually get to meet these people. And um, like one guy that I actually got to meet yesterday, who I've never had an argument with via the internet or anything like that, but this guy named Corey, and he came down from Oregon, and um, he's always been very active on the rum pages and stuff like that but he was great we, di- we didn't get too much time together which was kind of a bummer but um you know when you actually get to hang out with people and you actually get to hang out with um like like-minded individuals because the reality is is that you know we're 
we're so into rum and not many people are. And even within the spirits world, like there's this, there's like the kind of like this people look down their nose at like rum people. And it's just, it's completely ridiculous because you think about how interesting and different. I mean, and, and you saw that on full display yesterday where it was just like these oh, yeah. rums from all over the world, all these different expressions. In fact, you know, Martin Kate had like a special reserve tasting section where he had all these rare rums from his personal collection that he was, that he put up for the event that people could go and try. And it was just nuts to see some of the things that he had. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I'm really bummed that I missed that. I mean, I saw Martin there and um, uh, I didn't even go by to like say hi or anything because literally every person who was walking through that door, like wanted to say hi yeah. to him. So I just figured I'd give him a break <laughs> by having at least one less person who wanted to do. Yeah. That. It's, it's funny. Like, but had I known he'd been pouring that, I would have eagerly gone over and just shut the fuck up and put it, you know, pointing to my cup. There was there was definitely <laughs> a lot of, um, and this is this is always the case at at these events. But you know, you kind of get these pseudo celebrities um, at these things. Yeah, like oh, us. Well, um, I don't know if we're quite there yet. Not not to the level of like uh, like Martin or <laughs> or like uh, Doc Doc Parks had a pretty good following as well, which was fun. Which was yeah, fun he was he was he was he he had uh, he had some people following him around. That was pretty entertaining um, to watch. But uh, but we did we did have some people uh, approach us, and and there's a couple that we definitely want to highlight. So. You know, as you're as you as you sit behind these tables and you're pouring all these things, like you kind of go right into your riff as soon as somebody is like looking at your table because you have, you know you kind of have to broach the subject with them, which is weird at this event. Like they'll stare at your table, but until you actually engage them, like they don't always necessarily come to you, especially if they just got there or it's early on in the event. So it's always like, oh hey, you want to try some rum? They're like, well, of course they do because they're at a freaking rum tasting, right? But you still <laughs> they paid they to paid be to be there. You still have to do that, but. There was um, there was a guy that that came up at one point, and he he said to me just and and I had known him from from Facebook and but it just wasn't you know everyone's got mask on because there was a few people who I didn't recognize and I feel really bad about it now, but um, there he comes up and he's just like he's like hey you know we're a really big fan of the podcast like you guys do you guys do some really good stuff like you know i of course i i pick and choose the episodes that i listen to but like i really like the ones that i've listened to and i'm like i'm like dude that is so that is so awesome they do that um i still don't know how to handle these situations when people tell me this so i immediately then i responded with you need to go tell chris this because he won't believe me when i tell him this that's the only that's how i'm going to respond and it, and I had I had legitimately the same the same experience as somebody else coming up to me because they saw my T-shirt. I was wearing a good bottle T-shirt from the shop. And so they like they pointed it and they're like, hey, good bottle. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, the store. And they're like, no, like the podcast, which like totally threw me off. That's so awesome. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> well, so it was great. Yeah, so the guy the guy that came up to me was actually Kevin Crossman. And. And I feel I feel bad now because I'm a huge fan of what Kevin does. Um, he has this website, and it's it's like the ultimate Mai Tai, and that's kind of like what a lot of his like uh, he also like his Instagram name is that too, which I guess that's my don't follow. So we'll we'll, re, we'll come back to that again. But um, he does he goes and he ventures to all these different you know tiki bars, and then he also has these really great breakdowns on on my ties which i think is totally amazing and like really really well done 
And so the fact that he listens to us and then like engages it, and he's actually commented on a few things too. It's like I knew he listened, but then to actually like hear him say that he listened was like really, really cool. And so, um, so Kevin, I want to say thank you for yeah dude thank you so much i I mean i have such a tremendous amount of respect for what you do and then he he already has his website updated from from rum fest yesterday like he's got all his little things already on it and i just was like i was like look at this guy he's on top of it like he just and he just has he has really good content so i i have to say uh go go check out his website check out his instagram i i do have to bring up the fact that he does do some ratings for for the tiki bars that he goes to and he has the Santa Cruz Hulas rated better than the Jungle Bird in Sacramento. And I strongly disagree. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you're completely off on what you've said about Jungle Bird, but I do think it's better than the Santa Cruz Hulas. So I just want to put that out there. That's, that's, that's the hill that I'm going to die on. There is a difference there. It's, and it's funny because like his scores, like they're, they're close. Like they're not that far off, but it's like, I would just switch those two, you know? So now I gotta go check it out. Yeah, you, especially as being someone who used to work at Jungle Bird, I gotta. I want to know. I want to know what the what the thought thinking was there. Yeah, no, you you um, you, you definitely do. So, okay. Um, now, as I said, there are a million different rums that are being poured at this, and you get introduced to a lot of new things that maybe you weren't you weren't before. So Chris, what was your like surprise or couple surprises that you came across that you're like, wow, that was super, super cool. Um a a distillery out of Pittsburgh that I'd never uh encountered before called uh, Maggie's Farm. Um, which surprises they, me that you didn't know about them. It does surprise me. I, I had no clue. I had never heard about them. Um they're uh the Owner, distiller, super dope, really rad guy. Um, Devin actually from uh, Liba Spirits introduced us because she used to be a brand ambassador for them. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, so, and th- their tables were right next to each other. Um, so she just, she, you know, grabbed me, took me over to them um, and had them just like start pouring me shit. Um, I got to tell you that their spice rum, uh, is spectacular. It's, it's totally atypical for spice rum. Definitely like no sugar added lots of, um, the spice quality that came out of it was fire. I mean, uh, just delicious. I mean, it was, um, big, bold. Um, it was aromat, um, without, I don't know, without like coating your mouth and without like tearing your esophagus apart. Uh, And the fact that it didn't need sugar in order to like hide that or mask that it was incredible. And then their, their Falernum, um, I'm going to say this and, and Drew, you're going to hate me for it, but uh, uh, hands down the best commercially available Falernum I've ever had. Oh no, I think it's great. I'm totally with you on that. I mean, like I, I mean, obviously I have some bias with some of the ones that I sell, but I totally, I mean, I'm not upset about that at all. They do a great job. That's how I got introduced to them. Yeah, was was via their really fl- was was was, was their the flirtum. Yes, it, it's spectacular. I mean, uh, in my experience, um, house-made flirtums, and this is usually not the case for me, um, but house-made flirtums just taste better. I, I I say the same thing about Bloody Marys. Usually, is like house-made Bloody Marys taste better because it's one of those things where, um, uh, they need to like sit for a little mm-hmm. while in order to like taste better. Um, and, 
and if you're i don't know if you're like making it fresh or something like that it doesn't work out well um but the housemade housemade falernum also for whatever reason i think it's like the fresh lime juice uh and the zest in there it just it comes out so much better and brighter and bigger when it's made in house versus like i don't know um like like what is it um uh taylor's falernum what is yeah, what's, what's taylor's. the big one John John D. Taylor's, yeah. Um, which is, you know, great. It's classic and it has its uses and it, like so many uses can't really be replaced because it's its own thing. Um, but having a super dope flirtum like this is it was spectacular. Really it legitimately blew yeah, my mind. Yeah, their packaging is really cool too. So um Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, people beautiful. definitely need to check it out. I mean and again, it's like, you know, it's, it's a spirit that a lot of people don't immediately associate with America, even though rum is the American spirit, everybody. So it's the original the, American, original spirit. American spirit, the first thing that was taxed by the British, the first thing that pissed us off, you know? So, um, <laughs> one of the main reasons we went to yes. war. So, um, so no, <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that's a great, um, a great find. I was really stoked because you, did you walk away with any of those bottles? I did, in fact. I walked away with both of those bottles. Thank you very oh much. Oh my gosh! Just, I mean, again, everybody. I, I just watching him try to balance um, a whole case of rum because these bottles were not all the same, <laughs> right? So, watching him balance these cases of rum as we had to walk a couple blocks back to the car through the tenderloin, not through the tenderloin. Like, like I just was like, yeah, was I was like, oh man. Someone's gonna do something to yeah. us, like while while like the coke dealers are running back and forth from their car, the prostitutes are standing there on the side, yeah. and uh, the bums are leaning over and uh, trying not to pass out. It was a uh, getting smacked by their friends. So it was it pretty was good. A, it, was it was good. A, it was a it was a fun it was a fun visual. Um, what about were there any other standouts for you at the thing or things that like that surprised you that you saw at at Rumfest? Uh, I, I'll tell you from, from a pouring standpoint, um, I was really pleasantly surprised by the reception that Ronazalco got. Uh, you and I already are big fans of it, um, uh, which often means that people will hate it. Oh my God. That's uh, such because... a terrible thing to say. That's not the truth. <laughs> because... That's not the truth at all. Like, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> well, we're jaded and we like, uh, we like things that, uh, require, it's like a BDSM for our mouths, you know, okay, like sure. we've come, we've come so far that we just, we need to be punished to feel alive. Um, and the fact that almost every single person who walked up to our table that we poured for, um, ha- had a never seen it, never tasted it. And B we're stoked about it. We're asking about where they can find it, how they can get their hands on it. They, they were in love with it. Um, and, and that was really cool. I mean, so much so that, you know, folks were going over to Martin Kate's table and like bringing him samples of it cause they needed to make sure that he brought it into the bar. Uh, which is amazing. And, and that's, that, that's really fucking cool. You know, it was it was really neat to see. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, in terms of other standouts, you, you know, um, I, I want to give them a shout out, even though I, I definitely didn't taste it there. I, I've, I've tasted it probably about a month or a month, two months ago and have brought it into the shop since. Um, but it would have been one of the standouts for me had I um, 
had I tasted it there. And that would that would be the Kopali cacao. Mm. Um, just stupid good rum, um, flavored rum. I, it's surprising also that that my choices have all been flavored rum so far. That is really weird. Um, uh, it's very. It's not like me at all. But the the Kopali cacao um, is all estate grown. So the cacao grows on on estate. All the all the uh, sugarcane is grown on estate. It's all heritage varietals grown on estate. Um, it, they go through column still first, then macerate with cacao, and then pot still. Shit comes out just super flavorful, um, and it's it's just stunning. And that's another one of those that I w- I've been really surprised by. Um, I give it to a lot of booze nerds who. Uh, like us are super skeptical about anything flavored and I haven't had a single person be mad at it. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed it when you gave it to me the other day. I think the, I think as we sat there and we talked about it, it was like, like, you know, but what do you do with it? You know, is it, well, that's a great you know, question. Is it something that you necessarily want to like sip on? Like not like a whole lot of it. Like I would definitely like, I need to try it. I need to have that kind of, you know, notch on the belt. But outside of that, it's like, okay, what do you, what do you kind of go from there? you know, with it. And, you know, maybe as we get into the winter, um, there'll be some, some drinks that are a little bit more, a little bit more inspiring, but that's really, that's, that's cool to hear. I mean, I think they, they do some really good rums already and like their whole mindset towards sustainability and, and trying to, you know, give back to the area that they're from is just, it's great. So that's a, yeah, it's, really a, fun... it's insanely cool. And then, and then obviously a shout out to Chase because uh, I hadn't had anything of his outside of the, the Claren before. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to taste the, the other two items in his lineup now and just both stellar. Yeah, I was just incredibly stellar. I was stellar. a huge fan of, um, of the age Claren. I hadn't, I had not got to try it yet either. I mean, obviously I'd had the blend initially and I've had the standard Claren, but the, the age Claren was really, really nice. I found it, um, strangely complimentary to like the flavor profiles on it. And I think, and the reason I bring that up, what do you mean it's by just that? like when, when we got to try the other, um, the other Clarins from, uh, Habitation, Bellier, those those ones seem to be like it seemed to it seemed to to dumb down the Claren too much. I don't know why. I that's I think I mm-hmm. where I was just like Well I think I think a lot of that it really comes down to like A your your fermentation, right? Like what 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 are you loading that initial juice up with? Yeah. And then how are you how are you distilling it? Like how volatile are a lot of that like are those flavors that funk that those esters. Right. Um, and, and that's a, that's a big question, but we, you know, we encounter that a lot with like mezcal, right? So many people loathe aged mezcal and for really good reason, you lose a ton of flavor off of it. Right. Uh, and people aren't as offended to aged rums. So that's definitely a thing and, and will be, and should be a thing. Right. But I think that, that, developing a product to be aged is an entirely different art form. And then, and then the aging on top of it is a, a, an entirely other art form all in and of itself. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, you're, you're just complicating things the farther and farther and longer and longer that you go, as opposed to just like running your still and grabbing whatever comes off of it and throw, 
throwing it in a bottle with some water. Yeah, no, and, and I think that, you know, maybe that would cause my initial hesitation on, on, like, really grabbing one of those bottles because, like, I love St. Benevolent so much that I didn't want to, like, not like it, especially compared to my right. other experience with the with the age Claren. And it just was, it was just really nice. It was, it was, uh, it was very good. And then I got to revisit a bunch of stuff. So, I mean, are there other former guests, uh, Justin from Kohana was, was there as well with, uh, with the man himself, Kyle, who, uh, is the, is the manager for Kohana. He made the trip out and apparently at one point he gave a presentation. We didn't get to see it. I'm sure it was great, but, um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was really awesome to, to revisit those. Um, Let's see. We had El Dorado rum right across from us uh, with Charanda. And yeah, so yeah. Um, the guy that was working that was – his name was John. Hadn't met him before. Super cool dude. Uh, was was feeding me the El Dorado 15 the whole time, which is my personal favorite out of the El Dorado lineup. Fucking lovely. Yeah. Fucking Not lovely. Not a big fan of the 21, but really, really enjoy the 15. Why, why is that, do you think? Um, I think – I mean, I don't know. It's just – it's just the 15 just tastes better to me. It's a little bit more interesting. Um, I think maybe the 21 gets a little too easy to drink where I kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like we, we kind of look for our palates to get beat up a little bit. And I just think that there's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more English on that, on that 15. So I, so I tend to enjoy that one a lot more. And then the other one that, that I had seen countless times, but I had not got to try yet. Um, was the Worthy Park 109, and um, that was that was really cool. Um, that's a new new dark rum from from Worthy Park. Uh, it comes in at 54.5 percent, hence the reason it's called 109. Um, they wanted, I think, initially they were looking at calling it like Navy Proof or or something like that, but there was a, another company called Pusters who like wasn't excited about them doing that so um <laughs> now they they do it Pusters man they 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 piss everybody they sure off. do um but uh but they use but they use caramel coloring in it which they totally lean into because I mean the, the bottle is like black you know um but they don't deny it at all which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with um with the desire to have more transparency in rum and kind of what they're doing with that is just like, yeah, we're not, we're not running away from this. We're not, we're not hiding from this. It's just, this is part of, of what we're doing. And, uh, and it's, and it's really great. So that was, that was a fun one. I was really happy to, to finally try that. It's going to be coming, you know, I'm definitely gonna be adding that to my collection sooner than later. A um, couple really cool things from plantation as well. I mean, Everybody knows always. I'm such a sucker for always. them, and so they had a really great. Well, and I got to give uh, Mr. Mr. Goldman a, a big fat hug. Yeah, which is always nice. which is always nice. And of course, they had a, a beautiful setup and and all kinds of fun things. And so, but yeah, I think overall it was a it was a really it was a really fun event. Like I said, we got to we got to connect to, with some people that um, that we hadn't seen in a long time, and it was just another really really good job done by by Rum Labs. Um, Federico and and Angel are just studs at what they do, and and that's another another thing that people should check out is definitely the Rum Lab website. They do these, and I, I didn't realize this until I was like kind of poking around earlier because I've always like I've watched their interviews that they've done on Savvy and um, some of their other like content that they put out over the past year. Which at one point I had an opportunity to kind of have my own show with them, and I didn't do it because I 
was an idiot. I'm just going to say that. Oh, you know, but maybe in the future. But um, but they also do these really great infographs, and I'm a sucker for a good infograph. I don't know why. I love infographs. So man. I mean, they're, just they're so great. go down the the Rum Labs infograph chart because like some of the ones I highlighted was like you know what's in a Martinique bottle, um, distilleries in Barbados to visit, and then um, seven women leading rum. And I'm like, these are fucking great. So. That's rad. So those are um, some things that people should should definitely check out. So, um, but yeah, again, you know, one of one of my highlights of the night um, was I looked to my right and real. Uh, I was standing next to the um, the Donku table, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, halfway through the night, I like I just happened to look over and realized that like Roberto Sarias is standing there, like just pouring drinks for people. Uh, just hanging out, just being him, super rad, just humble dude who just happens to own the second largest Puerto Rican distillery. Um, it's fucking cool. I mean, and, and to the point um, where, so I, like, I went over and you, you actually texted me. You're like, I'm standing next to him right now. It was like you were, you yeah, were fangirling really dope. hard on that. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I met him. I'd spent some time because I went to King Camp. And I went to first first rendition of King Camp. And um, got to spend a significant amount of time with him during that week. And uh, um, um, I, I, I can't say get to know him, right? Because it's it's not that. But at least, like, develop some sort of acquaintance with him. And, uh, you know, I went up to him and I was like, look, there's no reason that you should recognize me uh, or remember me. But I just want to tell you that, like, I had such a great time and you've always stood out as being just like such, such a dope guy. And the fact that you were literally standing right next to me, I felt like I was obligated to say something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was super humble about it and definitely looked at me like, I wish I remembered you. And I was like, you don't, you don't need to do that. That's okay. You meet millions of people all the time. It's fine. Well, that's, um, that's, that's a better scenario than, than um, what I encountered where I'm standing there. It's at the end of the event. And this guy walks up to me and he goes, I was just talking to my friend Dave and he said, I had to come over here and talk to you. So I'm like immediately feeling flattered. Right. And this guy, he's got this shirt on that just says rum period. And I was like, and I saw the shirt multiple times all night. I was like, I want one of those shirts. Right. Um, he was from the Kulina rum, which is from Hawaii. They have, they distill on the big Island and then they have some, and then the guy, this guy was on Oahu and he starts going into this whole thing about how we're a sponsor for the New Jersey Nets and he's a huge New Jersey Nets fan and anything that he can do for us if we ever find ourselves in Hawaii he'll he'll take care of us cuz he's just such a huge New Jersey Nets fan and he loves the fact that we're that we're the sponsor and I go I was like listen and his name was Art really nice guy it's like Art this is this is great man I got to tell you I represent a you know small Mexican distillery you're talking about Tandaway, which is right next to us. Yeah, you yeah, are right. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You didn't go far <laughs> enough. And he goes, and he's like, "Well, what do you, what do you guys do?" And I just told him. I kind of gave him the spiel. And again, it was a, it was a real half-ass effort, right? Because we're at the end of a, at this five-hour event, you know, really seven-hour ordeal with the drive, the drive time, and everything. And um, and to his credit, he totally feigns interest, and he's like, "That's really cool." Like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I don't need to talk to them now because I found you." And I'm like, "Dude, stop!" Yeah, like, right. you know, <laughs> I really appreciate it. He was super nice. Um, I'm I'm glad that it happened because I do think that 
he's he sounds like a really cool guy and i do want to hit him up on the offer to go out to the big island and it, when i make that trip and and visit that distillery but um but it was so funny and it just was like you know you we had those those moments earlier in in the day where it's like you know again kevin coming up and 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 just voicing some appreciation and to have someone that you respect do that is like so cool um, and then there, there was a couple other people, you know, kind of throughout the day that had recognized me for other, other stuff. Like there was a couple there who four or five years ago, when our house was on the Sacramento Tiki crawl, the home Tiki crawl, um, they actually came to our home and was just like, we were there a couple of years ago. Like we're, we're still friends on Facebook. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, again, it was the whole mass thing. It, it made stuff really hard, but, um, they're like, yeah, your daughter's that's so like rad. your daughter's so cute. I'm like, yes, she is. It's the the glasses make it almost unfair. So, um, but yeah, it was just uh, it it was really really cool. But yeah, that guy, he kind of he kind of brought me back down to earth when it was like it's like I am not the person who you think I am at all. So definitely the tend away rum guys. But but I think that actually works as a as a good segue for us because one of the things that that we wanted to talk about, which is kind of rum in general. And like the current state of rum and, and what we see. And so we pulled just a couple numbers and, you know, what we can, what we can interpret, you know, from this stuff. And some of it was actually pretty interesting. And um, so I kind of want to lean into that and, uh, and just bring out some of like the, the top, uh, the top brands and production wise. And this is based off of a, the 2020 rum sales and off of a nine liter case, nine liter case sales. So at the bottom of the list, you got Sailor Jerry, right? They did around, um, they did around one million, one million liters or cases, and then you get into Kenya Cane, which I had never heard of before. Um, that's a Diageo product. Um, Appleton Estate, their entire lineup, everything gets factored into that. So you know, starting to make a little bit more sense. Boskov, which I thought was. That blew me that away. That was very interesting. And um, hold on, let me get back to that that page right there. So Boskov is a Czech rum that is uh, – it didn't have a great year because as it, it points out in this article, it plummeted 26.2% um, over the past year. But um, they had – I guess they had some issues with, with shipping and stuff like that. But I remember at one – at one time trying a check a check rum i don't think it was boskov but i can't imagine that it was a different one because why would i ever have another type of check rum it wasn't it's not stro right like stro is stro is austrian i think stro is austrian let yeah, me, yeah, yeah okay let me double check um but uh but yeah it was that it was at matt hole's house uh, which is or was a, a, a local kind of tiki RIP yeah, to our to our good friend yeah Stro is Stro is uh, Austrian um, so Matt had this really really incredible collection of of rum in addition to one of the best tiki collections that I'd ever seen in my life and um, I remember him talking to was like no no like the Czech are really into are really into rum and I was like what like why is this a thing okay so you have Boskov so um, we need to we need to obviously track down a bottle of that. I don't know how, but yeah. we're one one point two million cases though. I mean that's that's really that's impressive. a lot of rum. That's a lot of rum. It's a lot of rum. I mean even even if it's down twenty uh, what was that twenty six point two percent. 
from 1.6 million cases. Right. Like that's come on, dog. Like that that's really that's impressive. a lot of that's a lot of Czech people drinking rum. Um, and then your number seven is the old port rum. So that's actually one that I I which, sell. Which I, so I, have you given me old port before? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Because I because as soon as I saw that it was owned by Omroot, I was like, wait, what's what's going on yeah, why here? Why haven't you tried this yet? So yeah, uh, so yeah. the old port is actually pretty interesting. Um, they so they so it's they have a bunch of sugarcane fields in India, and um, it is molasses based. But then they also uh, they use a different type of sugar as well, and it's like this yellow sugar that's sometimes used for seasoning. And I cannot remember for the life of me what the name of it is right now, but it's part of like the rum blend of old, of the old port. Um, and it's just it's super bizarre. So I'm looking. Hold on, I gotta look it up right now. See if I can huh. see if I can find it. And that they're coming in. They're coming in at 1.6 million cases. Uh, it's called Jaggery. Know, obviously, Jaggery. Jack. Okay. They got they got moves like Jaggery. They got moves like Jaggery. That's great. And it's just it's really interesting. Um, at, at in fact, the last time I had a conversation with the people from Amrut, they were talking about doing a hundred percent Jaggery uh, expression. Um. Neat. Yeah, it it could be interesting. I'll bring you. I'll bring you in the bottle of the old port, and you can you can. I try mean, it. you know, like I said before, it's like weird things. Like I just I need to come. I need to experience them at least. Yeah, once, you know? yeah. And I mean, I think one of the other things that you have to factor in is that um, some of these some of these numbers are definitely inflated by a very enthusiastic population of those countries. So um, so that's definitely the case. Well, good. With, uh, good. So. Uh, your number six spot is Barcelo. Um, so they are staying pretty steady at, at theirs. They did sell of 2.1 million cases. Then you get into mm-hmm. coming in from the Dominican. Yeah, then you get into Havana Club. I think this is extremely interesting. And the reason being is because um, you it's it's hard to kind of figure out like what's going on there, where all the numbers are coming from, right? Because you have an entire country in terms of the United States, which even though it's not the biggest rum country, it's still a huge consumer just in general. And you're still one of the top selling rums in the world, even though there's an entire country that you without without it, it you know, without it. So, um, so that is is obviously a bummer because Havana Club's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, we're looking we're looking at a, a, a huge leap in numbers here. I mean, we, we're going we're going from Barcelo at two point two point one million cases to Havana Club at four point one million cases. Yeah. So we're jumping two million cases at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is crazy. You know, I Havana Club is is a, a fantastic fantastic Spanish style rum. Um, their seven year um, is is up there for me. Um, I, I do find it a little inconsistent though, from, from time to time when I, when I've had it, I, I don't know what your experience is with that. Um, I've, I don't, I think I've just always enjoyed it. I don't know if I've noticed like huge differences. Um, no, I, I think, I think my, I think it's a, their nuanced differences for, for me, I, what I think, what I find is like either the finish uh, is shorter than I remember or than what I recall or ends up being like just a touch sweeter uh, or or drier than I recall. 
you know, oh, I see. depending on when I'm tasting it. But, I, you know, I've got a bottle on my bar and I, it's one of those that I, I, I actually I have two bottles on my bar right now at home. And it's one of those that I do like to go back and just sort of like spot check in on every once in a while yeah. from those bottles. Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, it's definitely one of my my favorite ones to to pour. Uh, I have two sevens right now, and I have a three right now as well, which actually just this reminded me that uh, I ran into another rum enthusiast, Terry Lee Mosley, who will be known in the rum circles. Really, really awesome guy. We had a conversation about Cuban rums the other day. I didn't see Terry. That's unfortunate. He was there. I, would he have, had, I would have loved to have said hi. He had a fake mustache on his mask. It was great. That's um, amazing. So, <laughs> That's amazing. So he was talking about like, you know, the again, we're, we're talking about a product that has an embargo on it, right? So we can't get it in the United States. So anytime someone travels to Mexico, I always ask them, hey, grab me a bottle of Havana Club, usually the seven. But, you know, in, if, if I don't have the three, like grab me the three, what, whatever you can do. And so he was talking about that situation where every time he asked for someone to bring back the three for him, because the three is beautiful. It is a great rum and it's, you know, it's really meant for, for mixing and stuff, but people always come back and they bring in the seven and they go, well, it was only a couple dollars more and it's a seven. So, so it's better. <laughs> right. And he's just like, and it drives him nuts. So now he has like seven bottles of, um, of the seven. It's pretty good. And then, so I guess on the last trip that his partner took, she was like, she like hit him up and was like, she's like, Hey, like, should I get the seven or like a couple of dollars more? She's like, you live here. There's like eight bottles of the seven, grab some of the three. And it just, went crazy. <laughs> these are really weird issues that you have when you collect, you know, embargo rum, but it is, but it's really fun. And, and anybody who's never had Havana club, um, the real stuff, not the fake stuff that, that Bacardi brings into the U S well, and that's, I mean, and that's such an argument too, that's like worthy to be had at such a different time. Right. But, uh, well, we did the, we did the blind taste test on the show yep, and yep. the quote unquote legitimate, you know, Picard, or, um, the legitimate Havana club did win out. They were both good, but there was a difference and the Cuban stuff was better. Um, so if anybody was that season one, we did that probably, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was it was a good time though, and and I know that I'm legit because we because we because I made those distinctions. Um, but but it, it is one of my favorite things to introduce people because people get excited about the fact that they're like drinking something that they shouldn't be. And so again, if if anybody has never tried this that listens to the show, just send me a message. I will get you a sample of it. I will bring you if if you're close. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty easy yeah. to access in our in our. If circles. you're if you're close, we'll I'll come over. We'll drink it together. I did a I did a private rum tasting last week for a couple friends who wanted to learn more about rum, and the Havana Club was a big winner. People just they like I said they pop for it. They really really enjoy it. Um, so I, I love sharing that one, but okay, back, back to the list, back to the list. So from there, you're going to go into another Indian rum, and this is where we make another big jump and we're going, we're going to 8.1 million cases a year. And this is going to be the Indian brand McDowell's number one rum. Um, this is interesting. It's the, it's the, uh, golden arcs, not the golden arches. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Good. Good reference there. Um, so McDowell's is uh, <laughs> is it's kind of interesting because there's that's one of the ones that um, I feel like I have had it in my portfolio at least their whiskey, but I don't think I've ever had their rum. And so this is a can't say I've ever had the rum. And so it's a really so it's obviously it's a huge brand. Um, 
You had their whiskey in your portfolio. So, that's fascinating considering it's owned by Diageo. Yeah. So that's why I don't necessarily understand it. But when it comes to Indian mm. spirits, like it's not as surprising as you think it is. So um, that's true. So, there, yeah, so there's that. that. That holds up. Yeah. Okay. So now getting into the number three is Captain Morgan. Not really. With another huge jump. Another huge jump to 11.9 million cases. So, you know, with um, with the with the Captain Morgan, you're, you're factoring in all of the flavors from their new tiki themed one, the orange and vanilla, apple flavored bottling, all those things go into the bottle, bottle, bottle count. Number two. Hang on. Hang on. Before you say this, okay. number two, like when I was, when I was scrolling through this list and I was, I was going through it, I was like, okay, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I got to say my jaw hit the floor that this was number two and not number one. I was blown away by everything that I know about like sales in the world. This blew me away. Yeah. So number two is Bacardi. And I would I agree with you that it's surprising because Bacardi ends up being one of the top selling brands and value value wise brand in the world. Um, yep. But I think that also has a lot to do with the fact that they own so many different things. Um, but they do seventeen point seven million cases a year of rum again factoring in all the new flavors their rtds and um everything that everything that goes with that so they are very very aggressive and the number one which i feel like i knew this because they talk about it quite often and yeah um and I'm looking at the I'm looking at the image now, and I feel better about some of the things I'm going to say because I didn't know if I'd be able to tell people this or not. But it's on the spirits business, so everyone knows it's already out. But Tandaway, the Filipino rum, is the number one seller, and again, another huge jump to twenty three point nine million. And it's insane. And the only rum that had that like grew major volumes from again twenty to twenty three. At a sixteen point six increase, um, they've been doing some very aggressive and rapid expansion. Again, these guys were next to me at um, at the uh, Rum Fest, and so I got to have their double barrel, which was actually pretty good. I don't necessarily like the the white in the um, their I guess gold standard, uh, their silver and their gold, like you know, but they're meant for cocktails, so it's not anything that you need to be like blown away by. But their um, their like double barrel was really nice, and then I got to try their new spice rum. Which, if you look at this image that we have on the Spirits Business article that we looked up, it had a really cool bottle. There's like a snake wrapped around it, and the profile wise uh, was like almost like pumpkin spice. It was really interesting. Hmm. It was very warm, and I'm bummed I didn't try that because I was like, I got to be honest, I'm not a big Tandaway fan. So. It's, so it was really funny because the guy who was next to us, and you kind of always do this at these at these shows. And if you know if you get to know people, like they'll be like, "Oh, well, this is what I have out, but this is what I have in my bag." In the bag, in the bag yeah, dog. right. The, the bag bottles are always the what's bag up. bottles. So it was a bag bottle. It's it hasn't hit the U.S. market. It's not supposed to hit it till um, January, is what he had said. Um, but it was good. It was actually it was a really nice spice rum. And um, and I I was blown away with because again yeah not being a huge fan of the silver or the gold um, but I liked their double barrel and I liked the um, I liked the spice so 
So again, uh, yeah, I mean, considering that you you said that you like the double barrel, I wish I, I wish I had stopped by and at least like, you know, experiment a little bit. I, you know, that's that's my my own uh, my own snobbery coming to bite me in the ass. Well, I mean, again, like you know, Tendaway has been kind of everywhere, which is which is really interesting to me because they have they're all self distributed as well. So it's kind of crazy that they're sponsoring the Nets and sponsoring the Warriors, but then self distributing their rum. Like it's just it's it's yeah, insane. That's, that's crazy. To um, me. And then yeah. and then putting up just monster monster numbers, but it's very affordable. It's very very cheap. Um, so so something something to keep in mind. But that just kind of gives you a pulse of like what's happening in the rum world. It's where you know you have these things that you don't necessarily expect to be as popular as they are. Like again, like going back to the Boskov, like that's so crazy that a check a check rum is is what people are going for so uh at least at least over a million cases of it you know Uh. okay so one thing i wanted to do was and this was this was definitely expired or inspired by by kevin again so kevin again more props to you i wish i would have properly uh celebrated you when we were actually in person but I wanted to talk about Mai Tais and Chris, we've, we've gone back and forth on this multiple times about how the Mai Tai ends up being the most bastardized cocktail. Um, after rum fest last night, we found ourselves at Trader Vic's for a pleasant little dinner where they charge you for additional Cokes uh, is something, <laughs> is something that we found out. So if you guys don't know that, you don't get free refills at Trader Vic's. You pay, and now you, you know pay for another one, and it puts those poor servers in a very, very awful position. So, I mean, that is like if you've ever worked in like literally, I think my second or third restaurant job, I learned what the cost of producing a soda was, uh, and if you know that the fact that people don't offer free refills is incredibly insulting. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of issues to have with Trader Vicks at times, but like, that's definitely my number one issue now. Like, that's just, that's, that's what it is. And it's not, and it's not because (laughs) it's not because I'm cheap, but it, because it does put their servers in really unnecessarily awkward situations. Cause that's not their fucking decision. And they're having to tell people that, we don't give free refills and then they have to immediately apologize because they know how ludicrous it is. Right. Um, so, but the reason I bring up Trader Vicks is because Trader Vicks is, is known for their Mai Tai. And even, and even though we were there and we were partaking in the, in the wonderful food, um, neither one of us drank. Cause I don't think we were just done. We were done drinking. We we're just, we we're over. We were so yeah. burnt out, you know, six hours of, of rum fest. We were like, it just, no, just give us some good food. It was nice to be there. I haven't been, I haven't been to Traders in a while. So, um, well, all right, slow down on the good food. Give us some okay food, and we'll be happy. It was okay. I enjoyed mine. I mean, <laughs> I enjoyed mine as well. Yeah, like I said, it was okay. It was okay. It was, you know, it was okay. You're on the bay. You, you're 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 in this you know immersive experience. It's, it's it was great. great. It was great. Our our waitress was entirely lovely. She was great. She was just really in, she was really just decent at our job but so. they are not doing the valley parking right now so it probably won't bother a lot of people but it really bothered me um so was that a covid thing it had to have been it must be it you know just having r- random strangers in your car and whatnot yeah, yeah it had to be a COVID yeah, thing. it holds up so 
so that so that bugged me but but that's fine um okay so what, what i wanted to do was though i wanted to talk about riffs off of a mai tai so you know again kind of going down the rabbit hole of of kevin's website today and in and, and all that stuff and being like and remembering some of the adventures that he's gone on in his quest for the ultimate mai tai um i just thought it was i was like oh let's do let's do some riffs because i have a riff uh recipe that i fucking adore and i know you do as well so definitely so give give me your mai tai riff that you absolutely love my oh are we starting with the riff or are we going to start with our like classic i think our classic, classic will be the, i that, think our classic we... will be the same so why don't you give your classic and then we'll go from, and then we'll go from there What's your, what's your, what's a classic Mai Tai? The 1940, 1940, 1944 okay, yes. Mai Tai. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we, we don't, we don't need to, we don't need to broach that one. But what, what rum are you using in your classic? Just out of curiosity, since, you know, the 1944, like rum does not exist anymore. Um, or if it does, you're paying 10 grand for a Mai Tai. So I've been using the, uh, um, the Clement VSOP. And then nice, and then nice, and then usually the, I don't think the world knows that that's like my uh, old listeners will will remember this from our Antoine episode, but that VSOP is hands down like like top ten spirits for me for all time. It's the only reason that we're still friends is because it's like our, both one of our favorites. So um, yeah, that holds <laughs> up. And then I usually use Karuba uh, Dark for for a float. Yeah. So uh, what I will say is I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the float. I I prefer mine without a float, okay. um, like ninety percent of the time. Every once in a while I'll feel a little froggy and I'll, I'll throw it in there, but uh, usually I just shake it up and and dirty dump and uh, and call it a day. Not a bad idea. So, but you're putting it into the actual drink, the Jamaican dark. No, no, no. Are no, you no, just no. what are you doing? No. Are you just doing the the Clermont? Jamaican dark? I, I'll I'll typically just leave out. Okay. All right. Hold on. I want to get the. Uh, I'm on the Total Tiki app right now. I like that app. It's a good. It's a really well made app. So so the way so yeah so Total Tiki is is a really awesome app if you do want to get into rum cocktails because it just not only does it break it down for you in terms of um, like what you need, but then also if you like enter stuff that you do have, it can tell you what drinks you can make. So the Mai Tai 1944 original, one ounce fresh lime juice, half ounce orange carousel, quarter ounce orgeat, quarter ounce simple, one ounce dark Jamaican, one ounce aged Martinique, um, shake well, shake well, plenty of crushed ice, pour unstrained into a double old-fashioned glass sink your spent lime shell into the drink garnish with a mince drink so actually i don't do so i have done the float but i have done them the dirty dump as well um yeah yeah dirty dump is just such like a classic tiki technique that i, I think is like uh in cocktail culture oftentimes over, like overlooked and so basically you know, like, so what that means like is that you're not like you know sometimes what you'll see you'll see bartenders uh strain the drink into fresh ice Instead of doing or double strain, yeah, or double strain it into fresh ice, you just dump everything that you just shook right into the glass. Um, it's usually my go-to. I actually do a lot of uh, I, when I'm like super lazy and it's really hot outside. I actually really enjoy doing dirty dumps on daiquiris, and 
Yeah. Hell yeah. Just Absolutely. being able to chew on some ice while I'm sipping on that is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So that's, so that's your 1944 Mai Tai and kind of the, the agreed, kind of like this is the right way to make the Mai Tai, you know, um, not the, the bastardized stuff. Um, like the tropical one, which again, go to Kevin's website and you can check out and he'll, he'll tell you what that, what that drink is and why it's, why it's a bastard. Um, but what is your riff? So uh, there's a there's a Mai Tai competition that happens every year, uh, and it, it it it's been held. I want to say for like the last twenty years, or maybe fifteen years. I'm not exactly sure. My my sense of time is off. Uh, at the Dollar Beachcomber in uh, uh, on the Big Island every year, and it's a it's a dope competition. It's really cool. One of our really good friends uh, who runs who uh, is the general manager of of Shady Lady uh vince he uh he participated and made it to the finals one year uh which is really fucking cool and i've always had this like bucket list of really wanting to crush that um crush that competition my buddy justin parks won the competition uh the owner of uh, uh of bar leather apron and now of maze as well and uh and then i think the subsequent year one of his bartenders won the competition as well so i've had like this desire to really really just like crush this competition uh and one day when i get back to my my uh my like competition status, I'll, I'll, I'll probably undertake it, but I've had this, this concept in my mind for a really long time that I've wanted to do. And it's a clarified Mai Tai soda. Um, so you take, you take your clarified lime juice with your, um, well, you take your, you take your booze, your, your rum. The hard part with this competition though, is you never know exactly which rum you're going to get until you're in the competition. Right. So like your recipe has to change based on what rum you're getting. You can't just keep a, you can't, you can't just like go into it and be like, well, I'm just going to change out this rum because then all your flavor is going to be totally off. Um, but you, you get your rum, your lime juice, uh, your orgeat, and uh and you clarify those you mix them together in 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 the proportions that you want uh batch it out clarify that bad boy add your add your uh curacao in there whatever it is like whether you're using like a bowls or you're using like a orange curacao like the like the red line 1944 uh, calls for so you end up with like this orange looking soda you charge it so the way it's uh it's fizzy you force carbonate it and then you top that bad boy off with uh, with a little bit of um, uh, Ango and dark rum whip on top. Nice. That's uh, that's like my dream mind fuck of a Mai Tai. Have you actually made it, though? I've gotten close. Uh, I started working on it a, f- uh, a few years ago, and um, I've gotten closer and closer. The clarifying uh, requires some tweaking, and uh, and to my uh, to my specifications requires a, a a special tool or two that I don't have. All right, we're going to raise some money. Get you that tool. We need to make this happen. Dope. Um, that sounds great. I think that I think that'd be really fun. And so as we're as we're talking about this, if you have a like a super cool Mai Tai riff send it to us because yeah yeah we definitely want to see it 
uh, I, I'm really excited to, to, if people send it to us, I, I think we, we get together and we make a ton of them and we, we share them. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. My tie is like easily the, one of the most bastardized cocktails of all time. Right. I think right. a majority of bartenders agree on that. Um, and so there's a lot of really dope bastardizations that are some really, really awful ones. Well, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this out right here is that, um, we're going to do this. We'll have people send us my tie recipes. And then we're also going to have, we're going to, we're going to get Kevin to come meet us. And Oh, great. And he will be our Mai Tai Sherpa. And, um, and we'll do it. We'll force him to do it. Cause we, again, we gotta, we gotta have him on. Cause he just, there's just so much good content that, that he has. Um, okay. So let me tell you, let me tell you my Mai Tai riff. It's not my recipe. This was given to me by um by a friend and it is absolutely killer everybody i've ever given this to or made this for has absolutely loved it and um it's from australia is where this drink originated and the name of it is actually called the gummy venus and it's one ounce stiggins pineapple rum one ounce Havana Havana Club White, so your three year. One ounce lime, three quarters orgeat, three quarters Italicus, the oh. the Italian uh, bergamot liqueur. So bergamot, bergamot. So that shake that dirty dump, un fucking believable. That sounds fire. It is. It sounds it great. Is so good. It hits in such a different way. Like it has this really beautiful sweetness to it as well. I mean, like that Siggins Fancy, like, you know, obviously has a surprising amount of depth to it. And um, the Italicus just really highlights it beautifully. But it is, again, one of my absolute favorites. So one ounce Siggy Fancins, one ounce Havana White, one ounce Lime, three quarters Rajat, three quarters Italicus. You know, I got to say, my one of my favorite uh, riffs that I've ever had served to me in a restaurant has got to be the Monkey Pod Mai Tai. Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And, and, and monkey pot in general. So monkey pot is a chain of restaurants that exists on the Hawaiian islands and everything about it doesn't make sense because yeah, agreed. Cause it's, yeah. you're, you're thinking like I'm eating at a chain. I'm in a tourist heavy destination. It's probably not going to be very good. The drinks aren't going to be very good. And you're wrong about all of those preconceived notions. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, the service is fucking fantastic. The service is fantastic. <laughs> the food is really good. The drinks are really next level. And in particular, the Lilikoi, the Lilikoi Mai Tai, because what they, they take yep. Lilikoi and they make it into a foam and they put it over the top. And then for like your kids, they'll do a whole just glass of Lilikoi foam, which my daughter loved last year when we went. And they'll also put it on top of a Dole Whip as well. Yeah, and it's just – it's so good. In fact, at one point, I was going to try to recreate it, and I ended up getting like the wrong size cartridges, and I still haven't done it. So, um, But I agree. That's probably the best restaurant um, Mai Tai that's out there. It's so, it's so good. It doesn't make any sense on why it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. You know who's dope? Them over there. Okay, so now we're getting into 
my favorite section of the show, which is our dope follows. We've kind of already done them a little bit, but basically what we're going to do is we're going to tell you, you know, dope people to follow and uh, why they're dope. They could be Instagram profiles. It could be websites, other podcasts, books, whatever the case may be. So Chris, this week, what is your dope follow? Uh, my dope follow this week is uh, stems from our conversation that we had on the drive back last night. Um, uh, Drew and I were both exhausted and, and uh, just sort of discussing cocktail culture and bar culture and um, where things have gone, where they're going, just, you know, as dudes do, I guess, in the car. And, uh, and, one of the things that uh, uh, came up for me was this discussion of of really enjoying the process that other people go through that doesn't seem to really exist anymore in the social media sort of landscape. Um, and so one of the one of the cats that I used to uh, follow actively when I was coming up, when I was learning how to make cocktails, someone who like really inspired me um, because they they had this this great technique about them. And it was totally their own technique. Um, he's a Japanese guy. Um, uh, his, his, um, his YouTube channel is called cocktail Takumi. I was looking at it today and it doesn't look like there's too much that's been updated. And I, I came across like one cocktail, uh, video that was made in like the last like two weeks. And I'm not even sure it's him. And then the rest of them are all from like 10 years ago. Um, but this cat is stupid good. He, he um, has this precision about what he does, but is incredibly playful in his, uh, in his methodology and in the cocktails and how they come together. Uh, he makes this one cocktail. Um, uh, I believe it's an El Presidente and he garnishes it with a cigarillo on the side, which I've just, I've been wanting to do. I think since the moment I saw it and because I'm in California, it's just not a thing. I can't like, I can't garnish a cocktail with tobacco with lit tobacco on the side, but it's, it just, it looks fucking rad. Um, anyway, uh, I, I've had the pleasure of talking to this guy really, really briefly, uh, online, uh, just a couple times in really quick chats. But uh, I, I strongly suggest for, for folks who are interested in like going back and checking out what cocktail culture was like 10 years ago and sort of the excitement of putting your ideas out there, um, creating dope videos, sharing your ideas for, for cocktails and how they can be made a little bit differently. Um, I really love this guy. So Cocktail Takumi, uh, that's T-A-K-A, uh, sorry, T-A-K-U-M-I on uh on youtube awesome yeah i need to watch all those videos because you were very inspiring when we were talking about it so i'm gonna do that dope <laughs> um okay so i'm gonna just lean into what we were already talking about earlier uh we have the ultimate mai tai instagram account kevin's instagram check that out go to his website ultimate mai and then the rum lab their Instagram is the rum lab or go to the rum lab.com. And I was just, and I was just poking around again on, on the ultimate Mai Tai. And, and there's, there's so much fun stuff on here. And in fact, 
Kevin's got a whole page dedicated to the different different Mai Tais. And in fact, the ultimate Mai Tai, as I said, like he's 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 figured it out. And um, it's one hell of a recipe. So would Chris, you want to hear what his recipe is? I'm dying. <laughs> okay. So one ounce lime juice, half ounce orgeat from Latitude 29. So this very specific guy with Latitude 29. Quarter ounce demerara syrup from BG Reynolds. Half ounce orange carousel from the Ferran dry carousel. Half ounce Appleton 12. Half ounce Smith & Cross. Half ounce plantation OFTD. And half ounce plantation Jamaica rum. Okay, we're we're gonna have to try to do this. I gotta be honest. Um, I have this uh, this like physical reaction every time I hear uh, the name Latitude Twenty Nine. <laughs> uh, I uh, for those of you who don't know, Latitude Twenty Nine is owned by uh, like super tiki nerd uh, guy who's like considered like the godfather of the Renaissance of tiki, uh, Beach Bum Berry. Um, I have had just awful experiences every time I've been in there, uh, like almost kicked out three different times for just laughing. I've got a loud laugh. You guys know this. You listen to me. I am obnoxious. I get it. I'm a loud guy. Um, uh, but you, you own a bar and bars are supposed to be fun. Let fucking people have fun in there. And it drives me out of my fucking mind. On top of that, they are incredibly like celebrity driven. Every time I've been in there and there's been like some tiki celebrity or bar celebrity in there, they like they swoon over it. Yet at the same point in time, like uh, 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 Jeff Barry's wife would go out of her way to come to our table and just to be outrageously uh, uh, just rude and and just unfriendly uh, i can't i i never do this but i like i can't stand that bar i've had nothing but really really not fun times in that bar i think it's, a, it's an important which is unfortunate the restaurant that was in that bar in in that like property beforehand i i had beautiful times in because i've stayed in that hotel beautiful hotel in new orleans in the quarter uh and that restaurant uh was amazing some of the best sweetbreads i've ever had in my life and then latitude 29 went in there i was really excited for them and i've just had nothing but just trash experiences it's a bummer i'd like to point out that the views and comments of chris and claire do not reflect the entire um opinion of the good bottle <laughs> podcast um i myself have never been to latitude 29 i have met jeff it was brief wasn't terrible, wasn't amazing. It was just, I was like, hey, I'm Drew. That was kind of it because I was saying hi to somebody else. So um, I think the other issue is like you walk literally like a block or two blocks down and there's an entirely other tiki bar there uh, that's above a mezcal bar that's fucking rad. And I love it. And every time I'm there, I have a blast. And it kind of like just offers that context that just makes it so much worse. Do you have anything to say about BJ Reynolds? No. Great stuff. Never been. I don't know. No, no. He makes all the syrups and stuff. And he's out of, oh, he's yeah, out of the yeah. Northwest. He's great. He makes really okay, good stuff. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, that was, uh, that was some pretty great follows and a super not dope follow. <laughs> don't, don't follow them. Don't go there. <laughs> My God.
<laughs> Sorry, everybody. It is what it is. <laughs>